Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So I gave everyone the free out. If you could kick out one player from the Hockey Hall of Fame, who would it be? And show your work to support your answer. Cassie, do you want to go first while I I, I make my final choice? Because... All right. I'm going to... And I've been saying this for years. Eric Lindros. He should go. He really needs to go. He needs to go bad. (laughs) Um, So, Hockey Hall of Fame. Is he Hockey Hall of Fame worthy? I find it questionable. He played 760 games. Had 865 points, 372 goals. Um, Not quite up to muster with everybody else that I was like, you know, looking through. Uh, On top of that, and, you know, as a Canadian who is on loaded Canadian national hockey teams, he won just one gold medal and one silver medal and two World Junior Championship golds. And he was on a number of Canadian teams that didn't medal at all, which is bizarre. But he was on the 91 Canada Cup, which I guess he had the championship. I'm sorry. <clears throat> 1992 World Junior Championships, Canada did not medal. 1993 World Championships, Canada did not medal. 1996 World Cup of Hockey, Canada did not make the finals. 1998 Winter Olympics, Canada did not medal. I, I just don't see why he's in there. I, I really don't. I mean, he, he is not up to par with everyone else. And, I mean, I watched Derek Lindros, and he was a great player, but he I don't think he was Hall of Fame worthy. So there you go. Most people would expect me to support your argument wholeheartedly. And I... You don't I have normally, to. It's okay. <laughs> no, normally I normally I would, but I I decided to strip my condition back for me. I'm I'm doing this to give Pat more time because I know he's still sitting over there agonizing over his final selection. I oh he'll I, do but, both. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're um, not wrong, either of you. See, see, oh, how well I know my friends. Um, I decided to sort of strip it back to. One of the things that everyone keeps bringing up, was he the most dominant player at his position at any point in time in the league history? So I had I to kind of... questionable. Uh, I, I'll give you that. You know, I'm, I am no Eric Lindros, the hockey player fan, but, you know, that Legion of Doom line, there was something to be said about it. And I believe I've stalled long enough. Now, Pat, please. Um, live in-game update. On the power play, Tampa goes up 4-3 against the the um, carcass, the remains of what was the Chicago Blackhawks or Black Space Hawks, whichever you prefer. Um, about five minutes before we started recording, I believe Chicago is winning 3 nothing. All right, now that I've stalled even longer, (laughs) 
I have an answer that I'm ultimately going to go with, but let let me show you my work. How would you feel if I said, I don't know, George Vesna maybe shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame? Curious. What if I said Art <laughs> Ross? What if I said Lord Stanley? Pretty much old white guys that have their names on trophies for one reason or another. That they're in there as players. And I did check this. Art Ross was inducted in a player as a player. Um Lester Patrick same now. If you were to make the mistake of only going to say hockey reference and searching their numbers, you would see, oh, Art Ross played three games in the NHL. Well, then you got to factor in the NHA and, you know, every, you know, makeshift hockey league that had financial issues way back when. Wow, some things don't change in hockey history. Um, uh, The answer is uh, Bobby Hall. Uh, he's a giant piece of garbage and get him the heck out. I don't care how talented a player you were. You're, you're just trash and everything that epitomizes everything that's wrong about the game that no one will publicly admit. Get him out. But I did give serious consideration to certain, you know, players from the 1910s, 1920s, who, yeah, that they were kind of the backbone at the start of the formal NHL. Because I've been spending way too long uh, reading books with my eight-year-old. Um, right now, we're going through Down Grows Brown's book. And the question he has of, wait, is that the same Senate, Ottawa Senators? Wait, they weren't called this team? <laughs> wait, how many teams are in this league? Mm-hmm. Um, there were seven when the original, the original <laughs> six were around. Uh, no, no, no. Um, the, our book has been copy edited, so it says arbitrary in every reference point. Good man. Mm-hmm. Good man. Mm-hmm. So it it just makes me wonder. Prior to the forty years of whatever you want to call it, because I frankly did not see uh, many of games back then. They laid a foundation, and I also have to take into consideration they play. They also played during wartime, when it was not where you had to have multiple jobs just to you know make a living for you and your family. Um, so I didn't want to discredit any of those people for that, and just you know defaulted on Bobby Hall. You realize that that like in with that kind of thinking that you're also currently, you know, undermining. The um, reason for her, the women who are currently being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? Oh, no, no, no. They were much more talented than some <laughs> dudes. Um, <clears throat> which brings me to another point. Uh, DearHockeyReference.com, add women's stats now. Yes. There are a few people that do it, so it's it's hard to like yeah. come up with like an accurate thing. But anyway, sorry, Patrick. Yeah. As I hinted at, I, I I sort of had to stop myself and and look at the objective view, and really went with the base criteria of 
was this person like considered one of the top players at their position? Or, were they just amazing? Were they Matt Barzell, Sports Center top ten highlight package, consistently through any point of their career? <clears throat> One Bernie Ferdurko is the epitome of Minbar for Hockey Hall of Fame. Literally the epitome. I believe he got in simply because he played a thousand games and had 1100 points. That's it. I'm sorry. Are you talking about for or Rod Brendamore, the new flavor of the week pick for, should he get in said <laughs> players? And as an unabashed, you know, early nineties flyers fan who loved Brendamore, uh, he's a hall of good. I'm not even sure. Very good. You can throw Andrzejczyk in with that, too, because he was never a big name when he was playing. Right. Yeah. What Andrzejczyk has was he hit a ridiculous number, and he was very good at one very specific thing. And he played for a very long time. Yes. And everyone loves to laud longevity, especially today as we see someone hit their 100th or 1,000th consecutive game played. But is longevity greatness, or are you just smart enough to know how to hang on? Well, I mean, and then who's to say that a player that only played 250 games in the NHL but played like, you know, 1,500 career professional hockey games was any worse? Exactly. Mm. Anyway, sorry, Patrick. Go. No, no, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. You know, you're making my arguments for me. I love RBA. I love Rod Brendamore. I wouldn't ever consider him that dominant player. Right? Yeah. And that was sort of why I said, okay, here's my criteria. Here's my criteria. Did you at any point just own the ice against multiple teams? So, I mean... You know, if if you're going to allow in Bernie Federko, who, again, I say, is the epitome of the min bar, a thousand games and eleven hundred points, didn't even reach four hundred goals. Right. Three sixty nine and seven sixty one assists. So over a thousand games, you're like, yeah, those are numbers. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're a defenseman, those are numbers. If you're a forward, those are numbers. Now people will be like, oh, he played for the expansion St. Louis Blues. Yeah, who played against every other expansion team in the same division. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the old rule, someone has to score, kind of fits here. So, you know, let's, let's wander up the list and, you know, Daniel Alfredson. He's got more points and more games played does, and more goals. Does he belong in? No. Great player. Not a Hall of Famer. Will he get in? Well, yeah, because Federk going. Right? Maybe. 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 He may be, be Federk going. I, I if he were Canadian, almost certainly he would get in. Oh, God, yes. But because there will be no new class inducted, quote-unquote, in 2021, that's going to push him back. And 
the new makeup of the selection committee is i don't know if they're doing some revisionist things or or they're they're making up for gaps in history over time but i'm not sure he would i think there are other names that have been waiting longer that would get a call on top of some really, really good talent coming up for their first year of eligibility now, it's going to be, I don't want to say he's waiting 30 years, but I, I'm i not sure Alfredson will get in in the next two to three inductions. And then what happens? A snowball effect? He's going to get for but, but then, you know, Guy Carboneau. It'll be a slow year, and nobody will be able to agree on like much of anybody, and then they'll somebody will put Alfredson's name forward, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, Alfredson, yeah, we should totally like put him in there." And the majority of the group will agree, and there you go, he'll be in. Yeah, if if Alfredson were if he had won one championship, I don't think I think he would have already been inducted. And obviously, the nationality thing will come to play, but. You know, he won the Calder, and then he won two leadership awards, essentially. And he was a one-time All-Star. But he has longevity. He played, you know, almost 1,200 games. He was almost a point-per-game player. And, you know, he, he had that nice, you know, Stanley Cup final run once upon a time. Pierre Turgeon. <sighs> significantly more games mm-hmm. reached the 500 goal plateau has significantly more points again like Federko didn't win anything so is he a Federko right you, you get what I'm saying I mean I loved Pierre Turgeon when he played he yeah. was a fantastic center right very creative but Again, he didn't own the ice. At any point when he played, it wasn't the Pierre Durjean show. No, he was a supporting. He was a well, supporting character. <laughs> I, he was it, a number, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying he was a number two. I mean, there, there was a period of time he was a legitimate number one center. But well, no, that's that's what I'm saying though. Is that I mean, I'm not talking about actual. Ah. Position on the ice. I'm talking about like in terms of name recognition. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Right? Because it wasn't the Pierre Turgeon show. You didn't wasn't go his buy, team. Yeah, you didn't go buy tickets to see Pierre Turgeon play. He had the numbers in, you know, the late 90s. He, he built up a nice resume. But, you know, in his best season, he was fifth in scoring in the league. And the person who happened to be number one that year scored 160 points in 60 games. You you can't you just can't do anything with that. Oh yeah, and some kid in Winnipeg scored 132 points in his rookie mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. You know. Goals. Yeah, I mean, it, it all comes back to, of course, what we've complained about previously is. The criteria for what makes a Hall of Famer is not consistent and it's not written really written down anywhere. And it's just an, a group of people who make arbitrary decisions based on 
you know, what they're feeling that day. <laughs> Which, right. You know, I'm just sitting there saying, <clears throat> you know, I Lindros gets in because of Ferdurko. Mm-hmm. Bure gets right. in because of Ferdurko, right? Although Bure, you could make the case that he got, well, you can't make the case because McGilney. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't make the case for Bury without making the same case for McGilney. Right. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Pat right now is just cursing my name silently under his breath. Okay. At least for Bury, he can say, and he did this with two different teams. He won essentially three Richard trophies, but he really won two because it wasn't a thing back in 93-94. He was a three-time All-Star. He won the Calder. But leading the league in scoring... He was a goal scorer. He wasn't. He didn't rack up the assists to like lead the league. Yeah, no, he. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I I can see the argument against Beret. Mm-hmm. And if let's say 500 goals is your line of demarcation, you know, all right, I get it. If you don't reach 500, you better have had a short career. Check. Not by not by your own choosing. Check. Have Maybe. yeah. See, there's there's where we start getting in the wonky. Um, you better have had a shorter career, limited by injury or unfortunate circumstance. How's that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a a a heavy list of trophies of some form, and. Preferably a cup, but that's not my criteria. Mm-hmm. You literally had to have been must-watch TV at your position. Okay, check and make. So, here's my question, because oh. this is not technically the NHL Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame. No, it's Correct. the Toronto. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I did that thing where I said stuff out loud again. <laughs> No, must watch. T- Sorry, Cassie. Must watch TV for me is even if it's the Olympics, right. even if it's um, any tournament, right? International play, whatever. You had to have been must watch TV. Right. I mean, and trophies fall under you know medals fall under trophies, and, right. and I get that. the The problem, though, again, is the criteria that the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee uses. It's not public, and they tend to err on the side of people who have played in the NHL versus not, <clears throat> for the most part. And, um, of course, it's in Toronto and in Canada, so they're biased against Canadians, which, you know, is fine because they're mostly Canadians doing the voting, and that's, you know, that's understandable, even if it is, like, hair-pullingly frustrating. But, um, but the fact that they don't even take into consideration other leagues... Like, you know, did anyone bother looking at, at Forsberg's, for example, Peter Forsberg's, like, um, Swedish statistics when they decided to, like, put him in the Hockey Hall of Fame? No. <laughs> I don't even have to think about that. I know they didn't. <laughs> they no, just looked but... at him winning a couple cups and some gold medals, and, and they're like, he's in. 
well, because we stand FOPA. Um, he yes. was must-watch TV. <laughs> he was. Mm-hmm. He you was. Know. It's like Sackick might have been captain, and Sackick might have like. Rishon Jesus, you know. But. Yeah, might have been like a fantastic player in his own right, but um, it's like Pittsburgh with Malkin and Crosby, right? One has definitely got more of the attention than the other. Well, because one was workmanlike and the other one was just a bull in a china shop with the skill of... He can hit! He can. (laughs) He'll hit you before you hit him. He'll maintain control of the puck all one-handed. Drop it between his feet. Turn right around after he's dumped you on your butt and walk by three other guys to go score. Yeah. Yeah. He was must-watch TV. Yeah. Literally going around the net with two guys hanging on him. Yeah. yeah. And then do and then do that beautiful pivot turn to where he's, you know, yeah. instantaneously goes from backhand to forehand and then Or or the just the, the backhand, you know, between the pipe and the goaltender. Oh god. Opposite yeah. side, you know. Yeah. Keith could right. No. Right? Significantly <laughs> more goals. More games played. Alexei Kovalev. Oh, are we talking <laughs> reputation or are we talking actual playing? Because <laughs> oh. his reputation was one thing and his playing was another. I mean, the answer is no. Okay. And his it reputation is, no. is it. His reputation but, is, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, see, he would make my personal Hall of Fame. Let me put it to you that way. His his uh, shooting videos are stuff of, like, international legend where you would swap that VHS tape or even DVD, you know, around the year 2000 just to get it. And... He he had fame, albeit you know, not had, on the major sporting scale. But he was a famous enough name that he had infamy. He wasn't famous. He was infamous. <sighs> that should be celebrated a little more in hockey. But I agree. But you know, the, you know. <laughs> well, let's, let, let's not start a Tom Wilson discussion now. Oh, um, let's. Well, actually, let's do it seven games from now. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Because there, there is one name. I Kovalev, like I said, I. It's a clear no, but he's just a player who I love to watch. On the other end of that spectrum, Adam Oates. He has the accounting stats. But what was a famous or B must see about him at any point? Again, he was like Terzan. He was a supporting character. But not, not technically, statistically again, but, you know, in terms of like reputation and no. visibility and things. He was a one time all star with no other hardware. He led the league in assists three times, but was never leading scorer in the league. And he might have made a Lady Bing final ballot, but that's about it. 
No, he gets in just because of the number of games he played were leet. He played 1337. He played leet games. There, there it is. <laughs> Could you imagine that being the criteria for the Hall of Fame committee? <laughs> no, he gets in because he was leet, huh? He played lead number of games. Oh, man, did he play lead? Yeah, oh, that's so cool. I mean... Is that the Oates argument or the Andrew Chuck argument? Both. Yeah, a little bit of both. Or, excuse me, the Mark Recchi. But... But he's got a, he's got a name on his street in front of the arena in Kamloops. <laughs> well, did he pay for something. that sign himself as the part owner? Yeah. I guess it doesn't hurt that he won three cups spanning quite a bit of time. And he hit 1,500 points. That's... Oh, he was a scoring machine. You know, that's one of those, okay, while he may not have been must-watch TV, he's got some of the other accounting stats. I mean, going just by NHL totals, of all Hall of Fame players, he's 11th in scoring. Yeah. And the players just behind him, just ahead of him, you know, it's 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 kind of warranted. <clears throat> so, so... And he, and he hit 1,600 games. He's top five in games played among the 114 Hockey Hall of Fame members, which yes, does include builders. And so, should should there be should, so should the criteria actually be instead of games played and goals scored and <clears throat> all of that, should it actually be instead points per 60 minutes played or? Or goals per 60 minutes played rather than actual number of games played? Well, if that's the case, it's going to force every coach in the NHL to have to rethink their how they evaluate players. But Coaches don't evaluate I, players, though. The they don't teach them anything either, if you listen to uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov the other day. Oh! Wow! <laughs> I already knew that. I didn't have to listen to him. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I obviously, uh, I obviously missed something. What? Oh, so uh, I think prior to the season or in recent weeks, uh, Michael Pekka, formerly of the Athletics Buffalo unnamed captain story, also, you know, <laughs> an NHL player um, was hired as kind of like a development coach for the Capitals. Mm-hmm. And he's been working with Kuznetsov on faceoffs. And Kuznetsov, I don't have the piece or the quote directly in front of me. He's just a typical guy comes into the league, isn't very good at faceoffs. And then, oh, well, this is the first time anyone's ever taught me anything about face-offs. I pretty much did everything myself. And some of the stuff he's showing me makes sense, and it's kind of easy to pick up on. And he's, his face-off winning percentage is improving. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no coach in your stay in Washington has ever taught you anything. No assistant coach, no head coach. And, oh, that's interesting. That's not at all surprising. <laughs> I, was, 
I was laughing less about about that and more about the fact that um, what is it the coaches are doing again? Are, what are they there for? They're there to manage the bench, basically, right? And so um, why don't we just call them like baseball managers? I've actually been thinking about that a lot, and I think they should because that's the job, actually. Yeah, because they're like, not you, coaching. You coach in practice. But you manage during the game. You you really need two completely different skill sets. Well, you're not so, even coaching during practice, apparently. Well, well obviously, but I do that. But <sighs> anyway, so they'd be the lieutenant general manager. See what I did there? Mm, mm, hmm. Second lieutenant general manager. <laughs> No, that'd be, your, that'd be your assistants, right? Uh, right, no, right, right. They're, they're the assistant to the general manager in some circles. Okay. Maybe in Montreal. Maybe in and, Calgary now. Who knows? And well, they wonder why so many draft picks don't actually make it to the NHL or stick around in the NHL for very long. Huh, weird. Because they didn't have to play for Ralph Kruger? Um... <clears throat> I, we need to get the free Jack Eichel hashtag trending. Nah. <laughs> well, I was as I was sitting there watching that poor, poor, poor man whose eyes look as empty as the darkest place on anyone's soul. Um, Wait, Connor McDavid? No, I was going back to. <laughs> funny, you should bring him up. I was. I, I sort of hearkened back to that lovely night. Um, when the lottery happened and they pulled the Oilers out as number one and they cut to Connor McDavid and he had that 5,000 yard sort of, oh dear God, no, stare on his face. Mm-hmm. And how, how fast that same look has flopped over to Jack Eichel. You know, because everyone was like, oh, no, you know, they did it. Oh, they're in such a bad place. But Jack Eichel, he's, you know, the Sabres, they're, you know, they're going to be pretty good in a couple of years. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And then, of course, people were like, you know, the Sabres are out there playing like it's 2014 again. And Connor McDavid's on the draft board. And I was just sitting there kind of giggling, going, yeah, how'd that work last time? Um, mm-hmm. And then in the second period, they played like it was 2012. And then maybe the third period, they played like it was 1998. Without Hashik. Yeah, well, yeah, that bit. goes up, let's say. <laughs> well, some of the forwards might look like Hashik when they get turnstiled from time to time, but oh, just man. no goalie pads. <laughs> oh, man. No kidding. That. Yeah, but I, as a uh, casual observer, you might watch three different games in the span of a week, and they look like a different team every game. And none of them look good. No. <laughs> That's the worst part of it. At least with, like, Ottawa and Detroit, you can say, I see what they're doing. They just don't have enough to compete with other teams. The horses aren't there yet. You, know, no. you, can, see, you can see some of the ponies are going to be horses. But, you know, you're like, ooh, yeah, okay. And then you look at Buffalo, and it's like, you got a bunch of grown-ass men. And they look that bad? Okay. Yeah. You don't even need to make a mistake for things to end up going poorly. They're just happening on demand. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if anybody saw the game or has been on Twitter today, today being what day? It's all a blur. We're getting we're getting close to 365th of, of March, though. I was I know it's the 364th day of March. Um, <laughs> anybody that saw Shaw Shaw the Taylor Hall breakaway fiasco from the Hockey Day in America's game earlier today. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't even he didn't even trip on the blue line. He tripped before the blue line. <laughs> and that's you know, I was success I was, is scary. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy that signed there for eight million for one year with one of two goals in mind, right? Either to be the linchpin to take the Sabers, you know, to the next level, or at least get him to the playoffs, or play well enough to do to get traded, you know, to a cup contending team at some point. And he has managed to do neither of those. How much of it's on him? I don't know. How much of it's on coaching? More than you mean the- bench managing. I'm sorry. Yes. How much of it is on the loot? How much of it is it on the leadership chain of the generals, the lieutenant general, and the general manager? The major general, lieutenant general, and major general. Yeah. I just, I want him out of there, you know. Because however bad we think Edmonton is as far as a, a circus or a clown show, it's becoming readily apparent that the race to the bottom is Arizona, Buffalo, and Ottawa. And Ottawa, I, I hate saying this. I hate you know what I'm going to say. Someone must have put a gag on Eugene. Because they've been a fairly healthy franchise the last few games mm-hmm. and haven't been the goat rodeo sideshow freaks this season he's probably he- out of the country <laughs> oh yeah you know what for his tax liabilities he probably is mm-hmm. he's one of those that likes to play that game mm-hmm. where you can only be in the country for a certain number of days otherwise he pays taxes here yeah wouldn't surprise me. And he's might be in a position where his like real business could possibly actually make money. But that's not going to happen either. No. Wait, Ottawa make money. I, I, I can't wrap my brain around that. I think you just broke my brain. And then the players in Arizona are just kind of uh, not absolving, but they're just burying the lead on the, you know, the circus that that is the ownership and management groups there because they're playing okay. Yeah. They're kind of entertaining to watch. They're they're. But you know they're not quite they're not quite the Minnesota Wild of 2021. But you know they're they're kind of fun. <laughs> Raise your hand if you saw Minnesota if you saw the Minnesota Wild as being a 
rather speedy, offensive-minded team. Again, the grid is broken. So (laughs) now that we're moving on to Minnesota and we've mentioned Buffalo, I'm not pinning it no, finish that. And Jack Eichel to Jack Eichel to Minnesota for Zach Parise. <laughs> and three first round draft picks. I, I, I uh, back to back to Minnesota, huh? That's really aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even think it'd take three first round draft picks. <clears throat> I'd be looking around going, what's the catch? <laughs> Why are you giving me so much? What's the catch? <laughs> Seriously. But back in whenever the off season was because COVID. We had an off season. Yeah, exactly. And everyone was praising Buffalo's trading for Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson. And I was just like, okay, they probably got the better player. And this is no indictment on Stahl, who is a terrific player, and he's going to be in the um, Bernie Federko category for Hall of Fame talk one day because he'll probably be the last player standing from the 2003 draft class. Oh, yeah. Um, which started out with a bang and just kind of tapered off. Till Vimper. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, 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 at the time, I was like, eh, this might be a good thing for Minnesota. Not because he's not a talented player, but he's never, he was never the guy. His right. best season was, oh, he's insulated by a bunch of longtime professional holdovers from the 90s and early 2000s that could play into their late 30s. He had some good seasons when he was the captain of Carolina, but he was never insulated around him much. He, he went through what Jack Eichel is going through now. He, But he had a really good second season in the league. He was insulated for a little bit, and then all his supporting cast died off, and then he still never figured out how to be the guy or kind of what to do. To turn things around, and <clears throat> he can still put up points. Never taught him anything. <laughs> yeah, that's one yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And here's not to say he's probably doing everything professionally. He's, you know, he learned how to put on a mask, so to speak, where you put on a face during interviews, where they're kind of. Like a hockey player, emotionless and full of cliches, but you know he just looks pissed off in the eyes. Um, and he got quite good at that. And I, you know, that is what I can see out of the few, you know, interviews I've I watched of Eichel. They got some good players that had some success, but no one was ever the guy, or no one that turned a corner on their own later in their career. I mean, is he, is he the next quasi Steve Eiserman, but without the talent? No, mm-hmm. I think that ship sailed mm-hmm. about two years ago. 
Yeah. But he was on that trajectory that Iserman was on prior to, oh, them insulating him with talent, experience coaching, players with actual experience from other parts of the world, and you meld it all together. Curious, do you think... I think some of that is simply because Carolina was stuck in the mushy middle for so long. You just the the talent was never available or never discovered in the drafts. Yeah, and that's yeah. I mean that's the biggest holdup in Buffalo right now. They've had some hits, you could say, in the first round but no one that's really driving the entire team. Not like, look at Colorado. They fell in the lottery one year and ended up at four, and they drafted McCarr, who joins a talented team, but suddenly he's the one driving everything. They never got that. They rushed a player in uh, Casey Middlestat to leave college too early, and now he's kind of... Alex Galchaniak 2.0. And they don't have any other players that they hit in rounds like just two and three. Not even just a, you know, a, a seventh round just pulled a rabbit out of your hat pick. Or as I like to call it, Joe Pavelski. Yeah. Because that's all anybody ever talks about, right? I say the name Chris Drury, and a friend of mine goes, Ugh, shut up. Yes, I get it. He won the Little League World Series before winning the Stanley Cup. Because you know, that's all anyone talked about during that Stanley Cup final, was Chris Drury, you know, how his team from Connecticut had won the Little League World Series. I never heard that story. Tell yes. me. <laughs> I know, right? It just got rammed down your throat, like every broadcast. And then every broadcast since then that he Pretty was much. playing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then every broadcast with Joe Pavelski, you get hammered on the fact that, you know, he was drafted in the seventh round. I mean, Pavel Burry was drafted in the sixth, and you never heard that about Burry. Or rarely. Yeah, but those were mitigating circumstances, right? That was before the fall of communism, and so people were not apt to throw draft picks on Russian (laughs) players before. Well, people tried. but the thing is, is that, you know, hindsight is twenty eighty in hockey. And so they can, like, twist things around with the best of them and be like, overlook, gloss that all over and overlook it and just be like, wow, he was a sixth round draft pick, even though other things yeah. were, yeah. So no, really I'm wasn't. just... I'm sorry. I'm hung up that the you know people in hockey can add up to 100, 20, and 80. It's impressive. Yeah, I, I figured there'd be at least a few missing digits in there. I want to know who the uh, who the uh, um, schedule maker is because I think they're the only ones that, that can actually do higher mathematics in the NHL. Oh, poor hats of Petros. <laughs> that poor man. That poor speaking algorithm. <laughs> people, speaking of people who need a few assistance, my goodness. 
yeah. Who was it? Somebody was, oh, what was that earlier this week? It was um, somebody was had a pre- press conference, a coach, and he wasn't apologizing for something or another. He was blaming. Oh, no, it was Benning. It was Benning. For the <laughs> That's what it was. And, and Benning was like basically blaming everybody and their dog for his problems and his decisions. And I tweeted out, you know, the day that, that someone in hockey starts off a press conference or a sentence with, I take responsibility for that or that was my fault without it being something positive, like I take responsibility for that because it was positive, um, is the day that the day's, the, the world's going to end. Because <laughs> no one, no one, there's zero accountability in the NHL. There's little accountability in most sports generally, but in the NHL it's particularly bad, so... Yeah. I know it's shocking to all of you, but... I'm I am dumbfounded, which means I was just found by dumb people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have anything else really. Um, are we we at the point where we want to like you know wrap this up? Ah, uh, sure, why not? Okay, because I I am. I don't know about Pat. I won't speak for Pat. Uh, uh, Pat, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Well, I mean, I don't want to talk about press conferences from GMs and old white guys getting hired for jobs that they held more than a decade ago. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've done that before. Well, I feel like that's, you know, every other podcast. <laughs> of ours. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it. Pretty much. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get around to that, you know, in a little bit because yeah. we'll just eventually come back to it because there's no escaping it um all right so i'm going to go with something happy and productive and um positive and something that focuses on the good in the nhl not my question which is (laughs) which is why it's like that (laughs) i was getting very confused for a second i know i was like wait a minute what <laughs> no um so i i got a i got a co-worker um hooked on our podcast hi scott um <laughs> and he had the question that um among the three of us uh what is our best or worst in-game fan experience in the nhl or ahl this has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.